Chapter 2 In my bedroom, as on all other nights, I wrap myself in a quilt of invisible words, pretending to read, allowing my eyes to dance over imagined pages of Shakespeare. If I'm feeling fancy, my preferred text might be Dante in his original static Italian. So little of Dante's language has changed through the centuries, but tonight I find myself slogging through a forgotten lexicon. I wonder how the Italian women might fare with the new ways if our domestic efforts might ever go international. Perhaps they'll talk more with their hands, but the chances of our sickness moving overseas are slim. Before television became a federalized monopoly, before the counters went on our wrist, I saw a newscast. AI Jazeera, the BBC, Italy's three ARI networks, and others used to occasionally broadcast talk shows. Patrick, Stephen, and I watch them after the kids are in bed. Do we have to? Stephen groaned. He was slouched in his usual chair, one hand in a bowl of popcorn, the other texting on his phone. I turned up the volume. No, we don't have to, but we can. Who knew how much longer that would be true? Patrick was already talking about the cable privileges while they were hanging on a frayed thread. Not everyone gets this, Stephen. What I didn't say was, enjoy it while you can. Except there wasn't much to enjoy. Every single show was the same. One after another, they laughed at us. Aunt Teresa called us the new extremism. I might have smiled if I hadn't seen the truth in it. Britain's political pundits shook their heads as if to say, oh, those daffy yanks, what are they doing now? The Italian experts, introduced by underdressed and overly made-up sex bots, shouted and pointed and laughed. They laughed at us. They told us we needed to relax before we ended up wearing kerchiefs and long, shapeless skirts. On one of the Italian channels, a body skit showed two men dressed as Puritans engaging in sodomy. Was this really how they saw the United States? I don't know. I haven't been back since before Sonia was born, and there's no chance of going now. Our passports went before our words did. I should clarify, some of our passports went. I found this out uh, through the most mundane of circumstances. In December, I realized Stevens and the twins' passports had expired, and went online to download three renewal applications. Sonia, who never had any documentation other than her birth certificate and a booklet of vaccination records, needed a different form. The boys' renewal was easy, same as Patrick's and mine, had always been. When I clicked the new passport application link, it took me to a page I hadn't seen before. A single line questionnaire, is this applicant male or female? I glanced over at Sonia, playing with a set of colored blocks on the carpet in makeshift home office, and checked the box marked female. Red, she yelled, looking up on, at the screen. Yes, honey, I said, red. Very good. Or scarlet? Even better. Without prompting, she went on. Crimson, cherry. You got it, babe. Keep up the good work, I said, patting her and tossing another set of blocks onto the carpet. Try the blue ones now. Back on my computer, I realized Sonia was right for the first time. The screen was just red. Red as blood. Please contact us, the number below. Alternatively, you can send us an email at an application state, at applications.state.gov. 
Thank you. I tried the number a dozen times before resorting to email, and then I waited a dozen days before receiving a response. Or a sort of response. A week and a half later, the message in my inbox instructed me to visit my local passport application center. Help you, ma'am, the clerk said when I showed up with Sonia's birth certificate. You can if you do passport applications. I shoved the, I shoved the paperwork through the slot in the plexiglass screen. The clerk, who looked all of 19, snatched up and told me, wait. Oh, he said, scurrying back to the window. I'll need your passport for a minute, just to make a copy. Sonia's passport would take a few weeks, I was told. What I was not told was that my passport had been invalidated. I found that out much later. Sonia never got her passport. At the beginning, a few people managed to get out. Some crossed the border into Canada. Others left on boats for Cuba, Mexico, the islands. It didn't take long for the authorities to set up checkpoints in the wall separating Southern California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas from Mexico itself had already been built. So the grass stopped fairly quickly. We can't have our citizens, our families, our mothers and fathers fleeing, the president said in one of his early addresses. I still think we should have made it if it had only been only Patrick and me. Both four kids, one who didn't know enough not to bounce in her car seat and chirp Canada to the border guards. No way. So I'm not feeling fancy tonight. Not after thinking about how easily they kept those prisoners in our own country. Not after Patrick looked, took me in his arms and told me to try not to dwell on what used to be. Used to. Here's what used to be. We used to stay up late talking. We used to linger in bed on weekend mornings, putting off chores and reading the Sunday paper. We used to have cocktail parties and dinner parties and summer barbecues when the weather turned. We used to play games first, spades and bridge. Later, when the boys were old enough to tell a six from a five, war and go fish. As for me on my own, I used to have girlfriends, hen parties. Patrick called my nights out with the girls. But I know he didn't mean it unkindly. It was just one of those things guys said. That's what I tell myself anyway. We used to have book clubs and coffee chats. We debated politics in wine bars, later in basements, our version of reading Lolita and Tehran. Patrick never seemed to mind my weekly escapes, although he joked about us sometimes, before there wasn't anything left to joke about. We were, in his words, the voices that couldn't be hushed. Well, so much for infallibility of Patrick.